Um, if you have a Bible, uh, I'll probably reference some things. You are welcome to turn there. Um, if you don't know where those books are at, there's an index up front. It's okay to use. That's good. Um, so I, I only have some passages on the screen today. Um, but let me start like this. Today we're talking about the advent of joy, the arrival, the coming of calm delight. Joy, unlike happiness, is not dependent on the lining up of just the right circumstances. In fact, a person can have joy in the midst of great difficulty. Happiness says it can't get any better than this. Happiness says I wish this could last forever. Happiness says this is the best day ever. This is the best vacation ever. On the other hand, joy says it's good even if it doesn't appear to be good. It's good because this is not the way it'll always be. While happiness can be taken away when circumstances that provide said happiness is taken away, joy remains in light of affliction. There's our, our big difference. While happiness is the emotional high that suddenly comes and goes, joy is the calm delight that is deeply rooted within us. One has its sight set on the very temporal and the other on the eternal. One on the quick fix or quick satisfaction and the other on the hope that cannot be shaken by this world. Amen. The object of your hope and worship has direct bearing on the joy you experience. I'm gonna say that again. The object of your hope and worship has direct bearing on the joy that you experience. Man, so thank you for singing that this morning. Behold him. And that is true. Um, you're just not feeling it, guys. And you almost can't even sing it. How awesome to be surrounded by people who still do. Right? <clears throat> um, there's coming a day when joy will be unhindered. Can I get a hallelujah? There's coming a day when joy is going to be unhindered, guys, not obstructed with the present fallen world. There's coming a day when it will be complete and full in the presence of God. That's, that's Psalm 1611, by the way. Uh, in your presence, there's fullness of joy. Uh, you, you can look at this if you want, but uh, take Luke 6, for example. Just something that Jesus said for a quick one. Uh, Luke 6, 22 and 23. How is it that there is temporal, present, and real hardship while at the same time a present, joyful expectancy? This is what Jesus said. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and when they revile you and when they spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven. That didn't make any kind of sense, <laughs> right? When someone spurns you, they exclude you. They persecute you for Jesus' sake. He says, rejoice in that day. Leap for joy. Because great is your reward in heaven. There's coming a reward. Dance for joy now. 
That's crazy, right? It's a very different definition for happiness, right? Happiness would say, let's do without all that and just enjoy the emotional high. So where does joy come from? Where does this kara come from? Well, if we take God at his word, then we should understand that joy is a byproduct of the Spirit's presence in us. This is Galatians 5, 22 and 23. It describes the fruit of the Spirit as love. You guys could probably quote this. I don't think I can anymore. Uh, love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, right? So joy is a byproduct of the Spirit's presence within you. That's where it comes from. Um, Paul actually says it this way in Romans 14, 17. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's the kingdom of God. Let's take a moment to think about the circumstances surrounding the good news of great joy which arrived in Luke 2, uh, what James read for us. There were shepherds in the field watching their sheep by night in a region close to Bethlehem where Jesus was being born. I mean, this whole scene is joyous. In Bethlehem, there was no room for Mary and Joseph in the inn. They had to have Jesus in a barn among the animals. And when he was born, what did they lay him in? A what? A manger, a feeding trough, right? Sounds joyous, right? I think it's amazing that when this message was given, this was the circumstances that was happening. By the way, this great grand announcement, it was for all people, but it, did it come to all people? Or did it come to a few local dirty shepherds that were nearby, right? You would think it would be a much grander thing to come to these guys, this much joyous occasion. Um, so that was the circumstances surrounding this. Um, the announcement given by the angels to the shepherds in Luke 2.10 says, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. So what is this good news of great joy that's for all people? Well, the angel continues telling the shepherds, 2.11, says, for unto you this day in the city of David, a savior, I'm sorry, Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. The good news of great joy for all the people is that a Savior has been born. The promised one had come. That's it. That's the good news of great joy that's for all people. There's a Savior that has just been born. We want you to go see him. Why would this be such good news of such great joy? Well, this is the rescue of which the world has been waiting for so long. Since the beginning of creation and since the fall of man, this rescue that the world's been waiting on had finally arrived. A savior has been born, and it's good news of great joy. Um, it's beautifully stated. Uh, I, uh, I don't have a lot of theologians this morning to pop up on the screen, uh, so we'll go with Sally Lloyd-Jones. Uh, Sally Lloyd-Jones, who has done the uh, 
storybook Bible. Uh, you actually, you've heard us quote that one a lot. Um, but when I came across the story with our kiddos, I couldn't help but think of it in light of joy when I think about a Savior who has come. Um, so I think I have a quote from her on the screen here, but um, she states this over and over and over in this Bible, this storybook Bible, um, that a great rescue was coming. A great rescuer would come and make right everything that was made wrong. So I'm going to give you an insert of something that she, she has in there uh, that she entitled Operation No More Tears. And God was showing Isaiah his secret rescue plan. And this is what she says. So when you think about good news of great joy, that's for all people, that includes you and I. Think about that as I read this. Man, I know this is taken from a storybook Bible, but I hope it floods you with joy. This thing that we're talking about, a hope that we have that can't be rocked by the circumstances that we face, okay? So check this out. It's a long quote, so hang in there, okay? Matter of fact, eat it up, would you? She says, this is the message God gave Isaiah. It was like a letter God wrote to his children. Dear little flock, you're all wandering away from me like sheep in an open field. You've always been running away from me, and now you're lost. You can't find your way back, but I can't stop loving you. I will come to find you. I am sending you a shepherd to look after you and love you, to carry you home to me. You've been stumbling around like people in a dark room, but into the darkness, a bright light will shine. It will chase away all the shadows like sunshine. A little baby will be born a royal son. His mommy will be a young girl who doesn't have a husband. His name will be Emmanuel, which means God has come to live with us. He is one of King David's children's children's children, the Prince of Peace. Yes, someone is going to come and rescue you, but he won't be, any, he won't be who anyone expects. He will be a king, but he won't live in a palace, and he won't have lots of money. He will be poor, and he will be a servant. But this king will heal the whole world. He will be a hero. He will fight for his people and rescue them from their enemies. But he won't have big armies, and he won't fight with swords. He will make the blind see, and he will make the lame leap like deer. He will make everything the way it was always meant to be. But people will hate him, and they won't listen to him. He will be like a lamb. He will suffer and die. It's the secret rescue plan we made from before the beginning of the world. It's the only way to get you back, but he won't stay dead. I will make him alive again. And one day, when he comes back to rule forever, the mountains and trees will dance and sing for joy. The earth will shout out loud. His fame will fill the whole earth as the waters cover the sea. Everything sad will come untrue. Even death is going to die. And he will wipe away every tear from every eye. Yes, the rescuer, the rescuer will come. Look for him. Watch for him. Wait for him. He will come. I promise. Man, that's awesome. 
I don't know what in the world you're going through or if you just came a couple weeks before Sunday because it's our routine. Let me tell you something. You have a rescuer. You have a savior. Those words right there are meant to light us up with great joy because this is not the way it will always be. This is where our excitement and joy comes from. And so, um, man, I just pray that that resonates with you. So this salvation had come. This good news of great joy for all the people, it had arrived. The same joy that waited in expectancy for a savior then is the same joy available to us now through faith in Christ Jesus, our savior. Salvation from Christ the Lord is access through faith. This was God's plan from the beginning. Jesus brought great joy in himself as he came to rescue people from their sin. It is through faith that we experience joy. Peter, speaking of Christ, says that though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him, and you rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. You didn't even see Jesus now, but you believe in him. And you're filled with this inexpressible joy. You should know that when Peter said this, it was in the same breath that he said, you guys are gonna be growing, going through various trials. I don't know if you're like me, but uh, we have this available to us now. I do a word search <laughs> when it comes to the Bible. In particular, you could do that, the New Testament, with joy. Rarely do I ever see joy happen without affliction. It's the craziest thing. And here, Peter's like, man, you're gonna be faced with various trials, and at the same time, you're gonna have inexpressible joy that you can't even put into words because your hope's in the right spot. Paul, in praying for the Romans, he asked for the following. He said, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, in your faith, in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. How many of you guys are runners in here? You like to run. You raise your hand, you weirdo. I'm just kidding. Do, does anybody like to run for real? Put you on the spot? A couple, okay. All right. I don't. <clears throat> I see illustrated in the way I run joy, trials, hope. So don't make the mistake to think I, that I'm a runner because I'm not. Um, I don't know, man. I don't know how people do like running. That's, that's, that's crazy. Um, but when I do, I intentionally focus on something out in the distance. You guys with me on that? Like you're running. And you're not looking at where you're at. You're looking at where you're going. You're like, man, if I could just make it to that point. And if you're running past that point, you get a new point. Once you get to that point, you're like, man, I just need to keep running. I need to keep focused. All right. can see it, and I'm on my way to it. This is my motivation to keep on running, even when I'm winded, and my muscles want to give up, right? Want me to take a break. I struggle, but I have focused struggle. 
I know I will not run forever. There is a destination. Even if I'm running and I turn, I need to find a new spot. I redirect my attention and I keep running. This is what my personal joy might look like. Jesus has come and he is coming again. And here we are right in the middle of that wait, that living in the embrace between the now and the not yet. Here we are, folks. And so we look ahead knowing what's to come. And that joyfully motivates us to live in the moment, struggle and all, knowing that what we are facing is not forever. There's a destination. And here's another phenomenal part. This running illustration can and should absolutely include us pointing others to the same point of focus that's helping us to run. We're not running alone. Now we are running the race together. We're focused together. We're striving together. Kind of like what Paul says, Philippians 3, 13 and 14. He says, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He says in 2 Corinthians, we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So great joy has come to you in the person of Jesus. He is your savior. That's my prayer this morning. If it's not true of you, uh, this is a decision you can make today. But he is your savior, your rescuer. Joy is experienced through believing in Christ, your Lord. But joy is also experienced through seeing others believe. And this is the appeal that I want to make to you guys this morning as you traverse on this faith journey. You and I play a role in the joy of others. Do you realize that? You and I play a role in the joy of others. We both experience joy through the faith of others as well as assist in that joy that others have. We experience joy between the now and not yet as we see others walk with Jesus. Between his already having come and his imminent return, we have the pleasure while suffering of pointing others to Jesus. And there's several passages that I could have picked to do this, um, but for sake of time, I kind of broke it down to one, and it's out of 1 Thessalonians, and this is the one you can turn to because I'm gonna reference a couple of passages, and, and I'm gonna get to uh, chapter three, but uh, if you guys have a, Bible, and you turn to First Thessalonians, <clears throat> I'll mention a couple of passages in here. Um, but man, this is a passage that keeps resurfacing for me. And it may not be your typical go-to for an advent of joy. But the more I see it, the less likely it is to pass unnoticed when on the topic of joy without giving it consideration. And one big factor is 
the way that Paul relates with the Thessalonians. It's amazing. Go back home and read through this again, just the relationship that these guys have with one another. But in this book, in this letter, you're going to find a mixture of the presence of suffering and rejoicing. Suffering and rejoicing, affliction and joy. They both go together hand in hand. And Paul didn't want to be a burden to these guys. He wanted to be a witness. So you'll see in 1.6, Paul says, you guys became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. You received the word of God in much affliction in the joy of the Holy Spirit. That's that hand in hand there. You're, let's see, you receive the word, you believe in Christ in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Uh, 1.8, it says, your faith in God has gone forth everywhere. Chapter two, verse two, Paul said, though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. And he continued in 2.14, you brothers became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea, for you suffered the same things from your own countrymen as they did from the Jews. There's a lot of affliction, and yet there's joy, a lot of conflict, a lot of suffering. It was during their separation from one another that Paul his companions and the Thessalonians, um, he told them, I think this is uh, two, chapter two, verses 17 through 20. Kind of a highlight here. Since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face because we wanted to come to you. I Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. And listen to this, guys. And Paul tells them, he says, what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? You are our glory and our joy. You are our glory and our joy. You guys remember, uh, I said this before when I was talking about Philippians, but Paul made this statement to the Philippians. He had already told them that uh, his greatest desire was to depart and be with Jesus because that was a very much better for him. Um, but he knew he would remain for them or with them for their progress and joy in the faith. Let me just read through this, and I'll try to recap in case I lost you guys. Um, Paul also told the Philippians, he said, my brothers whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Um, both with the Thessalonians and the Philippians, uh, I think this is, is an amazing thing. Um, Paul's desire was to make sure that they were standing firm in the faith. He says that they themselves were his joy and his crown. When Jesus comes back, 
that's going to be a joyous thing. But when Jesus comes back, my great joy is the fact that you're standing firm in him. So when we jump back into Thessalonians, he is now telling these guys that there is joy, there is boasting before Jesus at his coming. They are his reason for joy. He has joy in believing in himself, or I'm sorry, he has joy in believing himself, but he also has joy in those who believe. He tells them twice that when he could bear it no longer, he just had to learn about their faith. And he sent Timothy to relay how they were doing. So I think this is the one I have on the screen for you guys out of uh, 1 Thessalonians 3. Um, this is kind of where we'll wrap it up. So listen at Paul's exchange here with these guys, knowing their relationship, knowing that there has been suffering and affliction in the presence of joy, uh, knowing that Paul is not only joyful because Christ is a savior, but he knows that the people themselves are his joy. He says this, therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in your faith that no one be moved by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are destined for this. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that uh, we were to suffer affliction just as it has come to pass and just as you know. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? For all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God, as we pray earnestly night and day, that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all of his saints. So a couple of questions to ask you guys from that particular passage. Now I think this is what keeps us going and motivates us for joy. Whose faith can you be concerned about because you guys, are, you guys have joy. We have joy through Christ being our personal Savior. But who is around you? Whose faith can you be concerned about? Who will you establish and exhort in the faith? And are you comforted in whatever affliction you're facing because of another's faith? Paul said it this way. We just read it in 3.8. Paul said, now we live if you are standing fast 
in the Lord. I wonder if we're burdened so much for someone else's faith that we're not comfortable until we can say, man, now we can stand and live if we know that you're standing firm in the Lord. Now we can live. And I love his prayer or the way he stated it. He said, what, what thanksgiving can we return to God for you for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God? as we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. So who is there around you that you can supply what is lacking in their faith? Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct you and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you. I'm convinced that the joy we have or the lack thereof is dependent on our desire, our motivation, and pursuit of seeing others grow in Christ, others standing firm in their faith. Similarly to the Thessalonians, Paul told the Corinthians, not that we lord it over your faith, but we work for you or with you for your joy, for you stand firm in your faith. That's not to say that such joy comes from others and not from God, but rather that such joy comes from God through others. Even the Apostle John, of whose gospel we have been walking through for a few years now, he makes this statement. He said, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Even while we face adversity, we can find joy by supplying what is lacking in the faith of others. Even while others face their own afflictions, they can remain joyful. We know and they know that Jesus is coming again. He has come to rescue and rescues still. Being joyful is not clamoring into self while the world is on fire around you. Rather, being joyful is remembering and reminding one another that the not yet will soon be. Uh, if I can get our teams back up, prayer, uh, our worship team. I don't know if you guys can tell. Um, I was joking with these guys this morning. I'm the uh, epitome of what joy is this morning. Um, so thanks for hanging in, in, in there. I feel like I'm about to pass out. I've been sick, guys. Um, that doesn't mean I get to challenge you nonetheless. So while these guys are coming up, man, I, I really want to challenge and encourage you. Um, but let me pray first, because I think I need the Lord. Um, but yeah, let me pray with you guys. Uh, Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you that you are our Savior, our rescuer, Lord. The one that creation has been looking for, Lord, until that great announcement that the angel gave to the shepherds. For unto you a Savior has been born who is Christ the Lord. I just pray, Lord, this morning, in spite of me, in spite of my weakness and barely able to catch a breath, would you show yourself as great this morning, Lord? 
Would you remind these guys that you are their savior who loves them, Lord? You have come and you are coming again. And whatever these guys are facing right now, Lord, this is not the way it's always gonna be. I'm thankful, Jesus, that you are the hope that we have. You are the object of our worship, Lord. And because of that, Lord, we have a joy that is unshakable, Lord, and that cannot be removed. This calm delight, Lord, that's deeply rooted within us. And Lord, I pray that we would not only have joy in us, Lord, but that it would spill over into the lives around us. Um, as much as these guys could catch uh, me speaking this morning, Lord, or lack thereof, um, Lord, would you just lay on their hearts this morning, Lord, those people that are around them, Lord, that they have much of a heart like that with the Apostle Paul, where he, he would be able to say that we are for you. We're not lording over your faith, but we are workers for your joy. And so this morning, Lord, would you just bring someone to mind, to their hearts, someone that they could come alongside for their progress and joy in the faith. The Lord, thank you so much for the joy that you give us. Thank you for loving us like you do. You are amazing. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen.